sparkle when um, some things that we've been learning this week, and I sparkle when I cherish my sisters. Aww. That's good stuff. I sparkle when I am taking care of the elderly. Mm -hmm. Also, I sparkle when I'm a true friend to people. I sparkle when I humble myself. Yeah, good. Amber preached on that. He gives grace to the humble. I sparkle when I obey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I sparkle when I give God my yes. Mm -hmm. When my flesh says no. <laughs> <laughs> I sparkle when I surrender. Mm -hmm. I had two of those. I sparkle when I surrender. I'm talk about surrender today. I sparkle when I use my gifts to honor God. Mm. I sparkle when I speak God's word to my children. Ooh, yes. That's good. I sparkle when I submit to my husband. <laughs> I sparkle when I don't listen to lies and listen to God. Yes. Amen. We sparkle when God's glory shines so bright, others see it on the outside by a mere glance. Amen. By a mere glance. Amen. You know, um, it's really been a beautiful weekend. Limari opened up um, Friday night with a message of satisfied over searching. With the truth that the truth that our natural inclination is to pursue something. Like we naturally chase after things for fulfillment. And what happens is, since those things aren't truly being met by the only one who can bring satisfaction, we're in a constant circle, right? Looking for what will satisfy. I loved her illustration that Christ is not a mirage in our endless circle in the dry desert. He is actually the living water. You know, when we began the process of church planting, we we're thinking about, we, we looked in our community and we said, this is a neighborhood that's parched. Mm -hmm. And it just depicts where we are, humanly speaking. Mm -hmm. Without Jesus, we are parched. Yeah. We are dry, we are seeking mm -hmm. living water. We're seeking something that's gonna fill us more than you know, everything else that we've tried. And so um, we, we named the brook, the brook, because we wanted to offer people Jesus. Yeah. the fount of living water where people would come and find satisfaction and rest but as Limari mentioned she said um, Tozer God waits to be wanted and unfortunately we often don't want him and I think sometimes we don't think he will truly satisfy maybe he won't truly be what all, all that we need and it's until until we look at ourselves and see ourselves as Gomer and see that we need a savior and we need a Hosea in our life that we can see him as our satisfaction. See him for what he is in our life and what he can be in our life. So I often have to go back and say, God, I, I am Gomer. And my sin separated me from you so that I can keep running back to you and know if I go anywhere else, any other lover, that's not gonna satisfy me. That's not gonna fulfill me. And so we have this option to choose um, a life that's satisfied 
our life that's continually searching. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Amber challenged us to put Jesus on the throne as he deserves. Yes. And to do it now. Yeah. Because we're all going to do it at some point. Mm -hmm. The scripture says, one day, every knee will bow yes. and every tongue will confess, whether you want to or not, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm -hmm. But I want to be found doing it now. Yes. So that when I see him, I don't have to run away in shame. But I can say, I give you glory because I loved you here. Mm -hmm. um, I love how she said, just as much as we leave the door cracked open for the devil to come in, if we leave it just a little bit open for Jesus, he will come in. But it takes humbling ourselves. And Amber said, um, surrendering ourselves and obeying. And he's worth fixing our eyes upon. He really is worth it. Mm -hmm. Debbie challenged us with um, much of what I believe will carry us mm -hmm. as we leave this place. Yeah. And we encounter the realities of life because we know that we will. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like um, when I look at Debbie, she exemplifies a life that, you know, these constant small decisions in our life, um, decisions to choose Jesus and to fight, because we, we look and we say, you have so much wisdom. Mm -hmm. It's those decisions, those small decisions to put on God's armor daily. One of my favorite things she said yesterday was that when we say yes to Jesus, we don't somehow jump aboard a cruise ship. Yeah. We don't get that bikini. <laughs> Sometimes we have really sweet moments and it's great, but we are in a battle. Yeah. But the good thing is, is this life is not all that there is. And so, yeah, we battle here for now, but one day, one day there'll be no more of that. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to expect opposition and suffering and hardship, mm -hmm. and yet know that God has not left us alone to fight. Um, Maritza, the practical steps on how to live in a, a world where we often feel uninvited. Mm -hmm. How do we break those strongholds? I love the, the picture that she gave of seeing the, the, the wall up and saying, you know, we need to practically put in God's word, dwell on that, and break those strongholds, uh, put in the truth. And today, we go back home. We go back to reality, right? And, and um, on Friday night, I told you to think of things that, you were you know that fill our mind think of the things that prevent us from being fully here and i said and just toss it we gotta pick it back up <laughs> those kids we go back to school we go back to yeah you know exams um a messy house the daily grind of life we go back to it it's reality i can't just toss it and think you know, that's done, you know, I have a wonderful weekend. Like we literally, we go back to it. Um, so what does it mean to run on fumes? Because I think often that's what we do. When I, even as I was preparing this message, I felt the weight of, man, we are tired women. We go back home and we have a lot on our plate, yeah. a lot. We have, school, we got cooking, 
without cleaning. We're employees without work. We got laundry. We have friends. We have other expectations. We have so many things that are on our plate when we go back home. Caring for our bodies, caring for the needs of others, for our children, for our husband, for elderly parents, caring for neighbors, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. How do we go back home and live a sparkled life on flames over fumes when our natural bent, um, and the world that we live in is full of go, 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 go. You know, how do we do this? Uh, with all of the roles and tasks we carry, we often feel like we're just trying to make it through another day. You ever feel like that? Yep. Oh, I made it. You lay on bed in your bed and you're like, and I gotta do it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the reality of life, right? Um, we're often tired, tired women. And that weariness sometimes makes us feel like we aren't enough. And we gotta keep striving, keep doing more, keep filling our lives with more things and it's an endless cycle. So as we go back to reality in a few hours, how do we live lives that sparkle and shine for God in the midst of this generation? Amber hit on it when she said, it is a life of surrender. Mm-hmm. We surrender for the first time when we give our life to Jesus, but then we live lives of continual surrender. Continual surrender where we say, God, I need you. God, I need you to come through on this. I need you, Lord. Um, A life of continual surrender really depicts a daughter of Jesus who continually says, I put you Lord of my life, of all of these things, of this plate that I carry, and I, I need you in all of it. You know, we entitled this year's retreat Sparkle because we realized that we have two options. We can live settled or shaken. We can live satisfied or searching. We can live on flames or fumes, going and going and going and not making an impact for Christ. How do we make an impact? How do we shine and bring glory to Jesus? As I look at this passage, we're going to look in Philippians again, and I'm going to close up the, the chap- Philippians chapter 2. You can open up there. Um, I see a clear connection between shining as lights in the world and holding fast. So I'm going to read verse 14 through 18 again. Remember, this is Paul speaking. This is the one that's um, writing from prison to a church to encourage them. And he says this in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 14. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. This morning, 
I am seeking with all of my heart to call you, to plead with you, to inspire you, to motivate you, to persuade you, to lead you, to give yourself to the word of God. To give yourself to the word of God. Give yourself to the word of God. And I mean something more than a few little snapshot once a week. I mean something more than a, than a little app. Or a small little devotional. Those are good. Those are good things. But I want you to give yourself to the word of God. Hold fast to it. There's no shining. You know, as, as Paul is saying these things, he says, and shine in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. How? Holding fast to the word of life. We can't expect to shine. We can't expect to give God glory or live this life in vain without holding fast to the word of life. We have to hold fast. What are you holding on to? What are you hugging? What do you embrace? What do you cuddle? What do you grasp? I think ways to answer that is what do you feel like you can't live without? Do you feel like you can't live without God's word? Without God himself who reveals himself in his word? I feel like some of the things that I often hold on to, maybe you hold on to, are affirmation, security, accomplishments, compliments or likes, my children, husband, education, and all of those things, is are any of those things something that will last. The word of life, God's word, endures forever. Yes. Forever. What we hold on to will determine whether we will be able to be proud of the way we ran here on earth. That passage says, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Will what you've held on to have been in vain? Will your labor be in vain or will it cause you to glory? Because the Bible says that the day of Christ will come. And the day of Christ is referring, referring to the day that Jesus will come back and take with him all of his children here on earth and where the dead in Christ will rise. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Everyone will do this. Some of us will do it eagerly and some of us will do it involuntarily, but we will do it. Some of us will do it remorsefully, wishing we lived here on, on, on earth for his glory. I'm so grateful for the way that God was moving yesterday and bringing some of you to himself for the very first time. Where you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Yes. 
And it's a beautiful journey that you won't regret. I think that most of us would say, you know, I want more spiritual power in my life, consistency and faithfulness in my life. And I don't consider that anything that I say is some kind of spiritual remedy. It's not like a spiritual remedy that you go home and somehow uh, God's word, um, the Bible is some kind of magic. It's not magic. The Bible is not God. The Bible is God's word and he reveals himself in his word. But one thing I know is that there is a spiritual diet without which no Christian can be strong and healthy and fruitful. And that's a diet of God's word. I'm not making any promises that when we read it or memorize it, spend time, that um, automatically we're going to be strong or healthy or fruitful. You know, the Pharisees read the Bible. They memorize more scriptures than we will ever do. Mm-hmm. And most of them, Jesus said, will be cast into utter darkness mm-hmm. where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because they weren't reading it to find God himself. They were That's reading right. it to judge others. That's good. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's good. Mm-hmm. So I'm not giving a guarantee of power. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can open our eyes to read and understand his word. Even as I was looking and seeing this passage and I was realizing how connected it is to shining, in some ways I felt um, a little like, God, but that, that's not a glamorous message. Nobody's going to really want to hear that. Yeah. And I thought, man, if I can't give you Jesus, if I can't give you how to know Jesus, mm-hmm and empower you with tools and his word, His word, which is a sword, then what am I going to give you? I felt convicted in my heart. Like, really, God? This is what you want me to tell them? Hold fast to it? It's kind of lame. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Because I just think sometimes we don't want to do the hard work. Yeah. We want to press a button and be like, somehow I'm, I know things and, and I, I can be making right decisions and honor God. And God's like, I've revealed myself to you and my word. And now hold on to it. The only way that we can understand God's word is if he opens our eyes. Paul prays in Ephesians 1.8, he says, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Mm-hmm. Only God can open our eyes to understand his word. And so sometimes that's why when we open it, it looks like a book with a lot of words. And we just don't, we don't get it. Paul is praying, he's praying um, to God. The Bible is not God. The Bible is the infinitely precious and infallible, that means unfailing and perfect, word of God. 
But if the living God does not open our hearts to it, we can read it and not see God's glory in it and not be changed by it. It's God's, who said that? It's God's love letter to us. Was that Amber? I think she said. We, if we don't hold on to it, we don't treasure it, we don't value it. Um, I don't think often we understand the pains that Christians, early Christians and believers went through so that we can have access to this yeah. word. Yeah. Um, I like to watch Christian biographies with my kids and Christian missionaries and martyrs. And um, just recently, I was watching one with my kids. I'd never heard of this guy, Robert Germain Thomas. Um, I, I want my kids to understand that this Christian life is a battle. And... Um, So sometimes when we watch these, these documentaries and believers have been martyred for their faith, that means they died just because they loved Jesus. They're like, that really happened? Really? And I want them to understand it's not, it's not a cakewalk. We have to count the cost, but it's so worth it. And Jesus is worth it. Um, Robert Germain uh, Thomas was a, a Welsh uh, minister, and he was really good with languages. And he... Um, used his ability for his, the languages that he had to go to the Far East. First he went to China and he thought he was going to stay in China because he was just so good with languages. And um, his wife died while he was there. And he started doing just regular work because he was, I think, he was just hurt and didn't think that he had a ministry anymore. And, um, and so he met some men from Korea uh, the Hermit Kingdom of Korea, they, they, call it, they called it back then because Korea was a closed country to foreigners um, because the government had fear of the influence of other people. And um, he met these, these men who um, had a, a small um, picture of who uh, God was, and, um, but they didn't have the word of God. And when he realized that they didn't have the word of God, he said, this is a treasure. This is a treasure. You must have it. And so he risked his life. He put Bibles on a, 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 a ship. And he um, was smuggling Bibles into Korea. Um, his second time around doing this, you know, they, they would just you know, pass it on the down low because the church um, there obviously was not legal. The government didn't allow that. Um, the second time around, the government got wind of it. And as they saw his ship coming into port, began bombing his ship. And it's accounted that as his ship is going into flames, um, here he is on the boat and he's throwing Bibles. Wow. And he's saying, a treasure, a treasure, a treasure. And it's because of his faith and him doing that that um, Bible's gotten to Korea. <laughs> and um, people visit him and his, his tomb to this day from Korea 
because of what he's done and the way that he started that fire and uh, people understanding the gospel for the first time. Holding fast to the word of life is seeing God's word as infinite value. Holding on to it for comfort, for joy, security, identity, for peace. Only God himself can provide all of those things. But his character is written for us. His faithfulness is on display for us. And when we embrace his word and hold dear to it, those peace and comfort become a reality in our life because we're banking our life on his promises. When we're anxious, don't turn to numbing yourself with things or filling your mind with Netflix so that we don't have to deal with our thoughts. Hold fast to the word of life. Because you know in that moment where you're anxious and you say, you know, I don't want to think about these things. I don't want to do anything that makes me think back. We have to fill our mind with something else. And you know that his word says, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who says to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Think that's going to give you comfort in your anxiety? Yeah. Keep dwelling on that. You give me comfort, God. You hold me in your right hand, God. In that moment, you can say, Lord, I know you hold me. So help me not to fear. I know you will help me. When you're filled with longing, maybe you have an ache in your heart for something that you have no control over. A husband? A baby? A home in that moment turn to God's word it says but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not be faint so you can know that when you place your hope in God himself and his goodness for your life and turn those longings into trust I trust you God I trust you, God. I trust that you have what is good for me. I trust that you know what is best. I have this longing, but my hope is not in that longing. My hope is in you. He says, you will find strength to keep going. When you need comfort because you're hurting, do you know that his word says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of comfort, who comforts us in our affliction that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. When we're wronged and mistreated and are tempted to take matters into our own hands, we turn to God's word and it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. When your life and everything around you is falling apart and you have no control over your circumstances, God's word says, though the mountains be shaken, and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. What will sustain you when you leave here and go back and you pick up that full plate again? What's going to sustain you? 
God's word is life. Yeah. It's a treasure. Once Jesus turned to his disciples in the crowd, because the crowd started leaving him, and he turned to them and he said, are you, you going to leave me too? And then Peter said, where else would we go? You're the only one who has the words of eternal life. We're not leaving you. They may leave you, but we're not leaving you. Jesus has the words of life, and his words are here for us. Many times we want to know God's will for our life, and we leave his word on a shelf. Come on. As if it's not living and active. And can lead us into truth. This is not an ordinary book. This is God's word. He gives us precious promises, and often we try to just lean on our own understanding or somehow look for some mysterious sign. <laughs> and God does those things. He's so good. Yeah. But sometimes he's like, baby girl, don't look for a sign. Read my word. Yeah. It's your yeah. It's my promises to you. His spirit indwells us as followers, and he, he opens our eyes to understand, to be convicted, and he empowers us to act upon what we've learned. Ladies, God has given us all we need. All we need to live this life. You know how I was thinking about this. You know how you get to a place and you realize um, like you don't have what you need? Like you get to the store and you forgot your wallet? Oh. You're already in line and you got all the stuff that's happened to me at Aldi before. I'm like, man, hey. a whole cart of stuff. Oh. <laughs> I got to take the kids back. To, I'm like, oh. Or you get home from work and you forgot your keys. And you don't have what you need. And you're frustrated because you don't got what you need. But you know what? God has given us what we need. It's not that we don't have it. Oftentimes it's that we've forgotten. And we don't treasure. And it's collecting dust. And it's promises aren't going to renew our mind on their own. we got to fill our mind with his word in order to be renewed. You know, we can't, we can't fight those strongholds without renewing our mind, without filling our mind with something that is going to break them. Truth. God's word is truth. And if you feel like you have a Bible that you don't understand, maybe it's a version that you're like, I, I don't. I don't get it, um, and it kills me sometimes when I see and I, I'm like, let me let me look at your Bible for a minute, and I see all these these and thous. I'm like, that's why you don't understand it. Let's get you a new Bible, one that you can understand, because I don't get that either. That's old, old English. That's hard to understand. Um, invest, invest in your walk with the Lord. Good. Invest in your spiritual life. Um, William William Tyndale, he was a young man who lived during the, the Protestant Reformation um, who saw a need for God's word to be in ordinary people's hands. Back then, it was illegal in, in England to have God's word in order, the hands of ordinary people. The Roman Catholic Church said this should only be to the leaders of the church. Mm -hmm. And Tyndale was like, no, 
know if you could only read God's word, if they could only have it. Mm -hmm. And so he began translating the Greek and Hebrew into English for the first time. And this was around the time that the printing press first came around. And so mass production. But he had to do that all on the down low. Mm-hmm. All on the down low. Even, even at, the, at the printing press, getting, that, getting these copies. And um, he was found out eventually. And um, there's records that as they tied him to a pole, um, before they burned his body, they wrapped a, a chain around his neck and choked him to death. But as he was being choked, he um, it says that as he was being strangled to death while he was tied at the stake when his um, body was being burned, he spoke with fervent zeal and in a loud voice. He said, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Open the king of England's eyes. That's what he cared about. So that it would no longer be illegal for people to have God's word in their hand. I think of these, this great, these testimonies that we have of people that lay their lives for God's word for us. And let's embrace it and hold on to it. Because this book is not a normal book. It's the very words of God. And men and women have risked their lives for copies. I have friends who have been missionaries in Vanuatu, uh, a Pacific island, um, an island in the South Pacific. And um, they have been there for over 10, 12, maybe 15 years translating um, the Bible into their native tongue so that they can have it. We invest in so many things. We don't want to run or toil in vain. We want to have reason to glory when Christ comes. And I know that sometimes this book can feel so intimidating, right? We feel intimidated by it. Maybe we feel like it's outdated or irrelevant, um, that the things in it don't matter. But we have to dispel that lie. This is a weapon to us. This is a sword for the battleship that we are on. Um, we'll have a hard time trying to defeat sin without it. We'll have a hard time comforting a sister without words to comfort. If we're just like, um, yeah, I think God is going to be there for you. <laughs> but we give her truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we won't know how good and precious God is without reading His promises. It's a treasure. So when you come to God's word, here are a few practical things, okay? Um, Start by simply asking for God's spirit to open your eyes and then expect. (laughs) Expect that he will. (coughs) Then begin to read it. Read that passage and read it again. And read it again. And again. And say, God, show me, open my eyes then you see wonderful things in your word. Um, Sometimes you read it and we're like, what? What in the world? What are you saying, Lord? And yet, 
we can know and expect, say, God, I expect that you would show me who you are, that you will show me what you want me to experience today through your word. You can expect that, that he will answer. Um, so ask God to show you what's in your heart. Um, because the Bible says that this is like a mirror into our heart. We, we, we read it, we look at it, and we see the ugly. And God says, don't, don't then go away and act as if you didn't see the ugly. Mm. Obey my word, obey what I say, and honor me. And so we read it, ask God to help us to open our eyes, and say, God, and help me to obey what you say. Yeah. Um, so when he reveals your stinky heart, <laughs> you go and you apologize to your sister. When he shows you that you aren't loving well, go love well. When he shows you that you aren't honoring your husband, go honor your husband. You know, I was thinking of my high school girls. Um, I remember the first time I started treasuring God's word. It was in high school. You're not too young to start treasuring it. Amen. To put that in your in your book bag. Amen. Say, this is my story. Yes. Yes. I remember that was how I met Mello. Yep. One of us was carrying a Bible. Yep. We're like, you Christian? I'm a Christian. Yes. <laughs> Sweet moment. <laughs> Begin treasuring it while you're young. You will not regret that. Yes. That's a foundation you can build your life upon. Be okay with being that girl. That girl. <laughs> you will rather have been that girl than wish you had been when you later look back. Wish you were that girl, that, that Christian girl, you know? That girl. Not care about what others think and choose Jesus. So watch the word of God come alive in your life as you hold fast to it. One thing um, that we do at the Brook, you know, we have our real community groups, um, but for we break for the summer uh, because we find it important to have a, a different routine and, and a, a different thing that we do is we break up into what's called DNA groups where we are, I, I, we have a, a little postcard that was on your seat. And if you're a part of the Brook, we would love for you to be, it gives you a little bit more information about what a DNA group is. Where you, it's ideally a group of three women, um, three men get together, where you, for um, at least six weeks this summer, get together to intentionally read God's word. Study it. We do what's called discover, nurture, and act where we reread it. We even have a reading plan on here that we're going to be doing as an entire church. We, we did it last summer. We'll do it this summer. We're in that, those groups of three. Um, you'll get together and you will read the passage. You're studying the same passage together. And then you start discovering, God, what does your word say? You start asking questions. You start talking about it amongst yourselves. And then you say, okay, we discovered a lot of things. These are a lot of good truths. Now, what is God telling my heart? Yeah. Now, what, what, are you, what are you telling my heart, God? That's the nurture part. And we start nurturing even one another and saying, well, have you considered this? Well, maybe God's showing you this. 
um, and we nurture one another, and then we say, all right, the tough part. Now we gotta act. Amen. Now what is God telling me to do? And so we're gonna be doing that this summer. Um, you know, we're gonna. We're, we don't have a start date. People have been asking me, when are we starting DNA? Um, we're gonna be starting sometime in June. Whenever you can find a group of three ladies, um, and and um, man, may God lead you to the right women. And don't feel discouraged. Somebody's like, oh, I already have a group. I'm so be like, I'm uninvited. <laughs> Don't take it like that. Go ahead and find, you know, say, God, okay, let me look for another other group of people. And, you know, um, but I just so encourage you to find a DNA group because really we can't do this on our own. And I understand how intimidating this is. And so we really need one another. Um, and this is a perfect opportunity to do that. Um, so I just kind of want to give a plug for that. But um, I want to close. Uh, you guys all received the book. Yes. John Does anybody have their book? Um, this is a gift to you. Um, Risk is Right by John Piper. Um, I just wanted to read a short, a small little snippet because I want you to read this book. Um, it's good to have good material in our hands. And um, I feel like this encapsulates the, this book. It says, um, okay, we can spend our lives seeking worldly pleasures, acquiring worldly possessions, and pursuing worldly ambitions all under the banner of cultural Christianity. Or we can decide that Jesus is worth more than this. We can recognize that he has created us, saved us, and call, called us for a much greater purpose than anything this world could ever offer us. We can die to ourselves, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, our priorities, and our plans. We can do all of this because we believe that the person and the plan of Christ bring reward that makes any risk more than worth it. Jesus is worth it. He's worth living this life for. He's worth shining for. He's worth it. And hold fast to the word of life so that you may shine.